0: Come on, make him feel real welcome.
1: Good, good, good. good. Thank you. <laughs> he kind of exaggerates things. Uh, Pastor Rick and I go back many years, and uh, just love uh, his spirit, his uh, his charm, his. Uh, Commitment to the Lord in his red jacket. <laughs> I'm going to get me one just like that. I want to thank you for the welcome that we received here. Will and I feel overwhelmed with your love and your care. And um, especially I want to thank you for something you're going to do this morning or you're going to let me do this morning. Thank you for not having to do any role-playing. Thank you for allowing me to be Argentinian. Thank you for not me trying to be somebody I am not. Thank you for giving me the freedom to be who I believe God intended me to be. Thank you for me not having to put a different face. This is what you get now. (laughs) When Pastor Rick wanted me to come uh, to Savannah some time ago, we've been dialoguing about when that would happen. Believe it or not, I immediately knew what the message would be this morning. And last night, as I was pondering on my notes, I was asking myself whether I should just do something else. But as the Lord works in your heart, you, you, you find that he's got a plan for all of us. And I hope that the words that I bring to you as an Argentinian, as an immigrant to this country that these words will help you and will bless you and will strengthen you. And you will pray for my many brothers and sisters who are immigrants in this country, wonderful country, the greatest country in the world, even with all its faults. I guess there's an echo there. Um, God bless you. I have students from Azusa Pacific University that are watching. At least that was their assignment to watch me this morning. (laughs) They found out that uh, they could access this on demand, so I think it probably will be more on demand. But uh, those who are streaming, we say welcome to God's house and to God's word to you, to your heart. Again, thank you, Pastor uh, Temple, for this incredible opportunity. Well, this morning, I like to look at the book of Psalms, Psalms in the Life of Prayer, I was always moved by that passage of scripture that says that Jesus sang the psalms. He prayed the psalms. The psalms were a centerpiece of Jesus' life. Most of the psalms, as you probably would know, is the voice of man to God. And not God doesn't speak too much in the psalms, but it's the agony of man speaking to God. And uh, I can't help but to simply say that scholars have looked at this literature, a body of literature, Genkel and Westerman and Brueggemann. I have to say those words, otherwise they're going to not pass the test. (laughs) They look at the Psalms and they believe there is a construction that we could use this morning. It speaks about an experience of life as a Christian, as a person, Psalms of orientation to life. And there's another psalms of reorientation to life. And there's a book, other psalms that address the whole concept of total disorientation to life. Psalms 30, verse 6 through 7, the first part of verse 7. This is the anatomy of the soul. In this first section of the psalms, we find the Psalms of orientation where there are seasons of well-being that evoke in the heart gratitude, joy, delight, goodness, coherence. All is well in my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 6 of Psalms 30 says... As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved by thy favor, O Lord. Thou hast established me as a strong mountain, confident, serene. The psalmist says, God God is reliable. God is trustworthy. What's going on in my life are the great blessings that he promised. And here I am in a world-ordered world. Actually, whatever happens in my world, I can change things around, and I'm world-making. I'm constructing things. Things around me are so wonderful, so pleasing, so beautiful, like savanna. <laughs> Symmetry, congruity, proportion. Those whose lines have fallen for me in pleasant, in pleasant places. It's, It's like God has done a work in my life that is so absolutely astronomically wonderful. Jesus enters the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples follow him, and all is well because Jesus is in your boat. Well, you know what's going to happen in a few minutes. All of us have times of orientation to life, and we enjoy that so much. But, verse 7, the second part. But when you hit your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called and I cried for mercy. What What is it going to gain if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim you, your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. There is a section of our life that, like it or not, entertains moments of anguish and of hurts and of suffering. Alienation from the good things around us. This section of the psalm addresses this type of life experience that is ragged. That has anger, has incongruity. This is allowed in the psalms. Lots of psalms complain to God and say, Oh my God, what has happened in my life? Why is this going this way? The Psalms of Lament stand before God and say to God, God, this cannot stand. This must not go on in my life experience. What I am going through now, Lord, is not what I bargained for. This is a theological cover-up where we say that we'll never go through problems in the Christian life. It is a conspiracy to build an artificial God, a faith that says, I will never have a trial in my life. A position that says that if you go through a problem, if you go through an issue that is difficult, you're lacking faith. No, 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 no. I want you to know that we are never free from the issues that can cause us pain. And a person of faith would often find himself disoriented to what has happened to him or to her. The songs of lament are important because the songs of lament bring God into the picture of our pain. Allows God to come and transform our life. We expose to God those things that pain us and hurt us. And we say, Oh God, have mercy on my life. We dare not keep silent when we hurt, we dare not remain silent before God when things are going wrong. But we come before God and we say to him, oh, Lord, help me in this moment of need. We experience realities beyond understanding when we address them to God and say, oh, God, this is what's happening in my life. I want you to understand one thing in our lives, and this is, this is very true. That when we face a difficult time in our lives, when we're disoriented to what is going on around us, when we say, oh, Lord, what happened? Why has this befallen me today? Why is this trial coming upon me? Because the psalmist at the very beginning says, everything is wonderful, everything is great. And then all of a sudden, there's chaos in his life. And so the psalmist comes before God with this plea, and he talks to God. And he talks to God not as a stranger, but as God Almighty, the one who can deliver him. He complains to God, not to man, but to God. He goes to God, and he says, Oh God, this problem I'm in, guess what? Is now your problem. He comes to God and petitions, and he acts decisively. He comes to God and says, Lord, you can do something different. You have the power to change this situation in my life. There's a motivation inside of him. And he says, Lord, I tell you why you should change my circumstances. Why you should change the situation I'm in. And it could be something like, Lord, I'm innocent. I have done nothing wrong. It's come upon me unexpectedly. And this happens to us all. Unexpectedly. So Lord I am innocent and I'm entitled for you to hear me. I'm entitled for you to change this circumstance in my life. Ah, but sometimes we come to God because there's guilt because we have done something wrong and so we come and we seek forgiveness and say oh God, this has happened to me because I have been disobedient to you. The psalmist include all of those. Forgive me, Lord. Sometimes the psalmist would come to God and say, Lord, remember, remember that you were good, that you're a good God, you're a merciful God. I appeal to you, Lord, as a God of mercy. Sometimes we come to him and we remind him that we did not make ourselves, but that we are the product of his love. We come to him and we finally say, Lord, if I go down You go down, because I'm your kid, Lord. I belong to you. Oh, God Almighty, whatever has happened in my life, come to my rescue. And this is when the prayer life gets going. And behold, New Testament, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered by the waves. But Jesus was asleep in the boat, in the ship. And the disciples came and shook him up and say, Master, don't you care that we perish? Ha! Huh. I tell you, Jesus is in our ship, in our boat, in our life. But the storms are still there. So there's this orientation to life when everything is so wonderful. And then all of a sudden, the storm hits. And the psalmist cry out to God. And then God begins to intervene by giving the psalmist and giving us this morning reorientation to life. Um, It's God who Wants to help us. God who intrudes in the misery of our life. And God chose us to come. And he came in the person of Jesus Christ who took our sorrows and understood our pain and understood our anguish. And he came with deliverance. He intervenes in our life. And a new gift from God comes upon our life. A fresh intrusion of God in my life. I like that. He kind of walks in and says, I'm here. <laughs> he intrudes in the midst of my pain, of my anguish, and he makes all things new. Oh, but watch out. Psalms 11 and 12, uh, uh, Psalms 30, 11, 12 says, Thou hast turned from me my mourning into what? Thy has, uh, has, has loosened my sad cloth and girded me with gladness that my shout may praise thee and not be silent. O oh, my Lord, I will give thanks to thee forever. Here is a sovereign God that changes everything around us. Here's a sovereign God that walks into the midst of our pain and transforms everything. But look, I need for you to catch this. It's not development, it's transformation. It is not something that's adding up and you become something. It is God that transforms by his power the place where you live, the place where you sleep, the place where you, where you work, the place where you exist. It is not something that you work up, but it's God that comes and intervenes and changes things for you. A season of transformation. And it is surprising what God does. When God comes into our lives, He surprises us with gifts that we can't even imagine. It is not a patch up work, it is God and His power and His majesty and His strength that transforms your social location into new life and abundance. There's a God who's not afraid to bless to embrace and out of the pain and out of the agony we have a god who transforms our life when i i see what god is able to do how does he do it he he changes our circumstances but he also changes our attitude and 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 we don't know how he does it, but he takes our messed up life and the situation that we walked into, and he just begins to rearrange life. And the the sense of desperation, oh my God, what am I going to do? My God, I lost my job. Oh my God, look what the doctor said. Oh my God, look at this problem I have. Oh my Lord, what's going to happen this desperation, this sense of urgency is replaced with gratitude and joy because God surprises us incredibly. Nos sorprende increíblemente. God is saying in Spanish, you won't preach. Nos sorprende de una manera extraordinaria. I wish you guys spoke Spanish. This is hard. Try it in Spanish. I can do that. But I find this God of ours who comes and intervenes and surprises us and moves us from plea to praise, Amen. from need to abundance. Amen. It's a startling thing. You read, you read the, the, the Old Testament and you are surprised by how, in the midst of the worst experience. There is a God who comes through and changes everything. And he doesn't spare the joy. He doesn't spare the blessing. He doesn't give you small little bits. He gives you abundance so that you can move on in life. And all things have passed away and behold, all things become you. As you read the Psalms. You find that the psalmists are always ready to pay vows, to follow God. Because that blessing of God has reprogrammed your life. Has done something to you to appreciate a God who was so far away and is now so very close to you. Oh, there are things in life we will never be able to understand. And that's okay. Okay. As long as God comes and blesses us and we can move on, I don't care. As long as I got the blessing of God, I don't care. You know, when things go wrong, when people hurt you, when things are not right, and and the last thing you want to ask God is, why? Just say, Lord, bless me. Just bless me, Lord. And there's a season of uh, from a season of plea to the season of praise that just transforms you completely. But I want you also to catch something else. And I hope I'm coming through right. And if not, then te- try the second service. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> I'm from Argentina. Qué quieres you expect? And I'm not role-playing, man. I'm who I am. <laughs> but let me just tell you something about God doing a new thing in your life and in my life. Sometimes we don't really want what God has for us. Sometimes we say, oh, God change my life. And God says, I got a plan for you. you say, well, that's not the one I want. <laughs> there are times in our life. But we've messed up, and God comes with his blessing, and he wants to turn our life around. And we say, but that's not where I want to go. And there are some folks who need deliverance from deliverance. (laughs) Because God has a plan for your life, and often we say that's not what we want, because what I want, Lord, is what I lost. And God often says, I'm going to give you a new thing. Yes, Lord, give me a new thing by giving me my old thing. And God says, I'm not giving you the old thing. I'm giving you a new thing. But Lord, I want that. But God says, this is what you get. And some Christians are stuck in limbo. They're stuck because they're not understanding this new thing that God wants in their life. See, the reason you and I go through trials and tribulations and things, storms in our life is not because, because, it's because. We're going to be transformed. We're going to leave things behind. And we're going to walk into new things that he has in store. But you cannot go back and say, that's what I want. When God says, this is what I want for you. When I was going to Bible college in the dark ages. No, actually, it was the bronze age. (laughs) Oh, dear God. I saw myself a little bit there on the screen and said, oh, I'm old. Anyway. Back in those days when I was young, and I was young once. (laughs) What happened to me, Pastor Rick? It's happened to you too, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) There was a young couple. We'll call them Sarah and James. And James and Sarah were going to Bible college in those days. And they had gone into Bible college because God had given them, they said, a call to go to China. And they studied so diligently because that's where they wanted to go. And so in their senior year, they filed the papers so that they could be sent as missionaries in this organization. And they were so happy because it was coming to that moment. And then the missionary agency that they wanted to go, they said, I'm sorry, we're no longer sending missionaries to China because the political situation is such that you can't go. And they became very bitter and very upset and they were going through this dark side of the cross, this, this Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? This, this whole idea of disorientation to life. Because at first they were doing so well, getting good grades, understanding this, understanding that, planning and planning. And then all of a sudden, the rug got pulled out from them. And they said, what's going to happen now? And they came to me, I remember, in the balcony at the fifth floor floor of the there at life college building and they said what am i going to do god said we're supposed to go to china and now all of a sudden they're no sending anybody to china what am i going to do in my naïveness i said well there's a lot of chinese people in la <laughs> i mean a ministry is the ministry I know social location is important and all that kind of stuff, but, and they were disgusted with me. They were upset with me. But I said, look, Chinese is a Chinese. A Chinese is a Chinese in China. Chinese is know, No matter where you go, Chinese is Chinese. Why don't you go and start a church in Chinatown? We, we have Chinatown. And as a matter of fact, the college in Chinatown is very close by. I was so naive and so green, but I think I gave them a bit of truth. You know, they got bitter and upset, and they graduated with a sour face, and they said, God said we were going to China, and we're not going to do nothing until we go to China. They sat in this church And you knew for sure they had been baptized in what? Vinegar and lemon oil. (laughs) Lemon oil. Not lemon oil. On lemon what? Juice. Hey, lemon juice. What do you want? Give me a break. Sheesh. This is hard preaching, brother. You do this every Sunday? No wonder you're taking a break. Sheesh. You know that they died bitter and upset That about two years ago because they did not understand the new thing God had for them. They wanted that when God said this. I have seen this happen so many times that in the midst of the anguish and in the midst of the trial, We want God to give us the answer we propose to him. God has something for you and for me. And when you resist the new place God gives you, when we cling desperately to the old circumstances, when you cannot let go, you break, you crumble. The life of faith expressed in the Psalms is focused on what? On First of all, that you and I need to allow God to surprise you. To be flexible enough so that you won't break. To surprise you. And in the surprise that God gives you, He gives you a new song and a new dance. Not the old songs and the old two-by-two steps. Is that what you call it here? Is that right? I got it right. What do you know? You know, learning English and losing money. No hablo inglés. There's this transformation of your life this incredible move of God that causes you to be somebody else by his grace in your life. We still got 10 more minutes? What am I going to do with 10 more minutes? (laughs) So Jesus on the boat looks at the wind, looks at the sea, is awakened by his disciples. And Jesus says, ah, why are you so afraid? You are so fearful, all oh, ye of little faith. He rebuked the wind and the sea, and great calm came upon the storm. The disciples said, what manner of man is this than the sea and the wind obey him? Find that out in your life in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your anguish, be surprised by this one who can do what no one else can do. This grid, this greed of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation to life is not a one-time experience for you or for me. It is something that's repeated constantly. And we're always in between one or the other. Most of my time, like this morning, I find myself disoriented moving into orientation, reorientation of life. I find myself being transformed from glory to glory, from being transformed all the time, gaining knowledge, gaining experiences. It never really stops. But this is a concept that is counterculture because I know some people who do not believe that this is so. I want you to believe that you and I need to be committed to a God that transforms our life every time a trial comes. That it's not wrong. It is not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not inconsistent to go through things in life. Our dominant culture, they don't like surprises. They want to control everything. Hello. They want to have everything under control. But God is in control. And you and I will be surprised by the God who controls everything. So he is the one that calms the storms. And he is the one that settles the issues. And he is the one that allows us to go through things which at times are indescribably painful, difficult, almost actually, I would say, impossible to resolve, except by him. And he is the author of life, and he's the author of our victory. And we overcome by faith.
0: Thank you. Give my good friend Enrique. Thank you, Enrique. Come on, give him a big hand. Come on, give him a big hand. Thank you very much. I wanted to be seated for just a second. I, I, I was so moved by a book I've been reading. It's called A Work of a Heart uh, by Reggie McNeil. It's a new book I just started last week. Uh, a Work of a Heart. Understanding how God shapes leaders. And I, I really feel that what he said today is something that speaks to the heart. Because Helen Stone, you know what it's like to go through a hard moment in life. You know what it's like to see God's hand. You know what it's like to have to work hard to get to a place that's close by. You know what it's like work hard through a circumstance, my friend, and nobody knows what you know. You know what it's like to be confused. You know what it's like to, to put everything on the line for a vision or a passionate moment. What you said was so profound, my brother, because in this book I was reading, it talks about Jesus, David, and it talks about Moses, and it talks about how these leaders went through transitions. And in talking about David, he mentioned the Psalms in this book, and he said some of the Psalms are about moments of lament, difficult times, times when you just can't explain this. Let me see. I prayed. did all I thought to do. And look at this financial report. Look at this emotional report. I went down the aisle with faith, believing this was it for life until I died. And here I am, a divorced person, trying to understand how in the world did I, how did I get to be a person who didn't have the life I dreamed of? But what I love that this author said, we're not prepared sometimes as Christians for the hard days because the way we are taught. There are times when you reorient. There are times when you redefine things. When your original orientation doesn't, doesn't pan out all of your life. So I thought it was a powerful message, and I thought it spoke to me. And I think there's a moment in your life. Come on, amen. It's a powerful message. (laughs) Father, help us today, wherever state we're in, whether they're home or here, church, wherever they are, online, on demand, touch every heart and every mind. Let this be a moment of honesty. Honesty. Look this way for a minute. The book I recommended to you last week, if you want all these, you go to rickytemple.com, click on read with the pastor. Where do you go? RickyTemple.com. Click on resources, right? And then click read with the pastor. And I list all these books. And one of the books I just finished was, um, it talked about, um, healthy spirituality, and he, he said, Christians don't have the ability, many times, to tell the truth. Say it with them, please. Say, I am. I am. Then you fill in the blank so you can say, I am hurting, I am confused, I am mixed up. I feel lost. You can feel great today, but when the day comes that you don't feel great, this is what helped me. It's okay. The days that are great, we got great theology, right? But on the days when it's not that great to say, I am tempted today to be an absolute fool. I am about to sign up for fool school. Yes, I am. I am about to become a crazy person. I am, I am, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's in those bad moments and we don't manage them well. We don't know how to manage bad moments in us or in other people. I watched a fight last night, a $110 million fight. The people who were fighting, I added up their salaries (coughs) for one year. (coughs) Combined, they make $110 million, $330,000 a day if you put all their salaries together. I think we can get along for that kind of money. I'm not going to say what team, because y'all know what team it was. I ain't going to tell you. (laughs) <laughs> Don't say it because I get you. All right? But anyway, what's amazing is I'm sitting there watching this. I'm thinking, okay, can I deal with that? Life's not always what you want. Hands lifted. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that we're not perfect people, that we make mistakes. We have seasons of lament. But you are a God who redeems and restores us. So today we invite you to restore us. We invite you to come into our lives today and touch us where we live. May the truth live in our hearts. May we rise to a new place and feel your presence today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Now, every hand down, every head bowed for a moment. Every hand down, every head bowed for just a minute. If you're in this place tonight, today, and you'd say, whether you're here or home, and you'd say, I need Jesus To give me a new orientation my life with him has not been where it needs to be but i want to serve him today and pastor rick i want you to just pray for me pray for me that my life can start and go in a new direction i want to surrender my life to jesus with every head bowed every eye closed i want you simply to raise your hand so i know who i'm praying for you're saying you're one, you two. Anybody else saying pray for me? Three. Anybody else saying pray for me? Four. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor Rick. I need to start a new life. Five. Anybody else? Anybody else? Some of you are raising your heart. I know. Father, I thank you, my brother, as well. God bless you. And all of you that are home, God bless all of you. Let's all raise our hands. Some are raising your hands and your hearts. Father, we lift our hands to you today. Some are saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want a new re- I want to reorient my life today. And I surrender my life to Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for, the, for, for sending Christ to die for my sins and to give me a chance to start again. And so today, I thank you for this new beginning in Jesus' name. And everybody say, how about a big hand clap for the day? Wasn't this great? God is good. Amen. God.